Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. First Samuel chapter number one, first Samuel chapter number one, we finished a series last week. I know that sometime this year that I plan on doing a series uh, through the gospel of John. I'm still in prep mode for that. So that's not starting tonight. Uh, but uh, I'm going to just this is what always usually throws the congregation off on a Wednesday is that I'm not going to teach per se. I'll probably be more in preach mode here on this Wednesday night, uh, but the Lord woke me up before the sun ever crest over the horizon this morning, and I feel like uh, I understand that we got to keep people encouraged, and we got to speak to the heart of hope where everyone is right now, but I still have an obligation uh, to this body of people to be a pastor, and so I, I, I'm going uh, to, to attempt to do that tonight through the word of the Lord, when I feel like God has laid on my heart, amen, for this evening. And let me just preface this by saying uh, that if you don't attend this church or if you don't know me, uh, you may easily uh, misconstrue or misunderstand uh, what I'm on the verge of bringing forth here tonight. Uh, please just hear me out. Anything that I speak here this evening, I speak, amen, no doubt in a spirit of love, but also with a spirit of, of, of concern, amen, for us as a people, amen. So 1 Samuel chapter number 1 and verse number 3, the Bible says, and this man, Elkanah, Elkanah is the man that's being spoken of, went up out of his city yearly to worship and sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts. In Shiloh, this is Elkanah, the husband of Hannah. They would go yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. First Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 12, picking up a verse from the next chapter as well. The Bible says, now the sons of Eli... That's the Hophni and Phinehas. The sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. They knew not the Lord. They were the priests of the Lord in chapter 1, verse 3, that was there as Elkanah and his wives came to offer their sacrifices. And in the next chapter, almost like a footnote, it's given that they were sons of Belial, and they knew not the Lord. For a little while here this evening, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to talk to us tonight about temple infatuation. Temple infatuation. Father, I come to you tonight, and I need your help, Lord, today. God, I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, God, give your servant, Lord, adequate words. God, words, Lord, that can pierce, Lord, to the very hearts and minds of our souls and our spirit. I pray, O oh God, as I minister, Lord, in this place. I pray, O oh God, we may not have the pews filled with people, Lord, by no means. But, Lord, I know, God, that your spirit, 
God is here. And I understand, God, that truly we have the audience of one. Every time we come to this pulpit, every time we come to this place, God, we're doing the bidding, Lord, of our master, one that is higher than us, whose understanding, Lord, is deeper, God, than the seas. I pray, oh God, for your anointing, Lord, for the next little while, God, as I try to convey, Lord, what was laid upon my heart, Lord Jesus, this morning, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Temple infatuation. The Levitical priesthood was family oriented. Not only was Aaron the first high priest anointed for that position, but his sons were anointed as well as Levitical priests under the leadership of their father. Likewise, here in 1 Samuel Chapter number one, Eli was the high priest when the temple was stationed at Shiloh and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, uh, served under him. There were many functions of the temple that were carried out by the general priest. They kept the light of the lamp burning. They offered the two lambs day by day, one in the morning and the other at the evening time sacrifice. They kept the wood ordered on the altar properly and a fire continuously burning upon the altar. They renewed the showbread every week afresh and anew and took away the old. It was the priests, the generality, if you will, of the priests that blew the trumpets for assemblies and they blew the trumpets for the sounding of alarms. They blew them in solemn days, the beginning of months and over offerings that were offered unto the Lord. They blew the trumpet sometimes just in common days of gladness as the scripture records. They helped handle matters of judgment that the Bible says were too hard or too difficult for the people to contend with. They would bring to the priests and they would handle those matters with wisdom and with knowledge and understanding. It was the leper that would be declared clean by a priest. The fragrance of the incense filling the temple was due to their participation at the altar of incense. The Bible speaks concerning these priests that they propagated the law of the Lord with their lips. It was ever upon their tongue. And certainly more than any, the high priest represented the people, especially as he entered the holies of holies with the tribal names that were uh, split six and six upon each shoulder and those that were engraven upon his breastplate that was affixed to his chest. He represented the people, but in a real sense, the collective body of priests also, the general priests represented the people before God with the offerings that they made and the sacrifices that they superintended and the general ministry that they served in in the holy place. The priests represented the people before God. The priests were the people. The temple in reality served a primary purpose. The temple's purpose was to facilitate a relationship with God. It was used so that the people might hone, if you will, a relationship with their master. 
every offering and every sacrifice that was brought to the house of the Lord was all about honing and or amending that relationship that the people wanted or desired to have with God found within the original request that God had even made of Moses amen its intention is seen in Exodus 25 and 8 where God told Moses he said let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them it was the temple it was the means that provided if you will a way for God to dwell among his people it was a means whereby his people could have fellowship with God through their offerings that they brought and their sacrifices that were made simply the offerings and the sacrifices was a simple language of exchange with the divine with God almighty that holy one of Israel the Bible tells us that Hophni and Phinehas were considered the priest of the Lord it's difficult to find, really, I look today, but it's difficult to find a consensus of interpreters on the etymology of the word priest. But one scholar takes its wider application and he connects it to an old Arabic root, which means to draw near. Once again, just underscoring and emphasizing, amen, the pointing to, if you will, of the intimacy and the relationship Amen. With God. Amen. Brought about, superintended by the priesthood. So as priests, Hophni and Phinehas would have aided in that connection. They would have been instrumental in that connection of the people's connection to their God. And of God's connection to the people. What the Bible says in our scripture setting that when Hannah and her family went yearly to the temple to worship. When they went yearly to the temple to sacrifice, the Bible says that Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And we think for a moment, well, of course they were. Of course these people, these two guys who are considered to be priests, of course they are there. They're priests, aren't they? Their, their place and their position should and ought to be at the temple. If you're to find the priest anywhere, you should be able to find him at the temple. I mean, they, they are fulfilling their hereditary priestly duties at Shiloh. You're going to find them at the temple. Their lives centered around the temple. Their everyday activities concerned the temple on the people's behalf, on behalf behalf of the nation of Israel the fire was kept burning and the lamps kept flickering and the bread was replenished as necessary because the priests were found at the temple they were always there there ready to carry out whatever the people needed they needed an animal slaughtered or blood if you will sprinkled or whatever it may be intercession that needed to be made with their offerings the priests were there to take care of it of course the priests were found at the altar they were well acquainted with the mechanics of offering sacrifices they knew to every minute detail what was needed concerning the techniques of giving up offerings unto the Lord they knew they they knew well they had the knowledge of what was necessary and how to order the wood or how to light the fire or where to sprinkle the blood and how much blood to put where and and he, they knew the time when it was
was necessary to blow the trumpets. They knew how to ring the neck of a pigeon if it was called for. They knew all these things. They, they knew what was required and how to perform it. They were learned in all the ways of the temple service. These were the operations of the priests. And yet the Bible says in the second chapter of 1 Samuel, these priests, of course, in chapter 1 were there and we would assume them to be so. But the Bible speaks of these two sons of Eli in chapter 2 and verse 12 that the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial and they knew not the Lord. Folks, those are pretty strong words that are spoken right here in Scripture concerning two guys whose father was the high priest. Those are pretty, pretty strong words for these two individuals right now who are considered general priests themselves and were involved in all types of operations and festivities of the priesthood around about the temple. The sons of Eli, the high priest, the Bible says, his boys were sons of Belial. In other words, they were sons of worthlessness. They were sons of wickedness. They were sons, they were base fellows as the word Belial, amen, would tend to mean. They were natural heirs according to God's word. They were natural heirs to the position of high priesthood. If their daddy died, it was quite possible that either one of them, amen, would have been, if you will, a candidate to become the next high priest. And yet the Bible says they were sons of Belial. These men were considered the priests of the Lord which meant that they did in fact do certain aspects of the temple service and yet the Bible's amen footnote on them is that they did not know the Lord. My mind begins to race and think how in the world can you be a priest? How in the world can you be involved in the activity of sacrifice and the activity of offerings? How in the world can you know where to put the blood and where not to put the blood and come from that and it be said and spoken over you that you knew not the Lord? How in the world can you live around the temple? Live, breathe, amen, be there, amen, every waking hour of the day just waiting to do it another function and not know the Lord. What that means is this. They did not distinguish the Lord from other lords. They did not distinguish the Lord from other gods. They didn't know the Lord by their own experience. They were, medi they were if you will, mediating everybody else's relationship. Amen. With God through their sacrifices and the offerings. They were meditating, if you will, mediating rather all these other relationships, but they had failed to polish their own relationship with God. They knew not the Lord. They had failed to acknowledge God. All of their temple activity, amen, is about connecting God with man and man with God. But they themselves were negligent in acknowledging him themselves. If I say it like this, they were caught up in all the temple activity, all the hustle, all the bustle, everything that went on but they forgot the main purpose of the temple and that was if you will to stoke the relationship of men with God including themselves I submit to you this evening 
that these two guys suffered from temple infatuation. They were fascinated with the temple. They thought it was neat to function, if you will, as a priest and to get to handle all of the things they got to handle concerning offerings and sacrifices and blood. They loved the perks of being a part of the temple. They loved the perks of being in and around the temple. I mean, there was bread and there were food portions that were reserved for them because they were the sons of the high priest, because they were operable priests within the temple. There were certain perks that came down their avenue and venue because of being a priest. But as is the problem with infatuations, they are short-lived and they're superficially motivated and the Bible says this concerning the sons of Eli they made themselves vile Hophni or Hophni whichever you wish to pronounce it means pugilist I didn't know what pugilist meant so I looked up in the dictionary what pugilist meant pugilist is a person who fights with fists, a boxer, usually a professional. His name also means a client. You heard me correctly. A client, a person who is receiving benefits, services, a customer, or a dependent. So we have a fighter on our hands. We have a client on our hands. Can I tell you here this evening... That there isn't anything wrong with our fighting priest, Hophni, as long as he's fighting against the things that he should be fighting against. But to fight against God, to fight against the truth that he even would have known, to kick against the pricks of the Lord is unwise for our Hophni. Understand in Scripture, even the New Testament, the Bible talks about kicking against the pricks. Those pricks were the sharp point of a goad, sharp point on a long stick that was used in guiding animals as they would plow. Those goads and those pricks at the end of the goad, they were not there to injure the animal, but they were there to keep the animal on track. Pre-adventure, the animal would veer off of track. And so to to kick against the pricks were to intentionally fight against what was trying to guide you, what was trying to direct you, even as Saul did in the book of Acts. The Bible says in Acts 26 and verse 14, Saul is recounting his, his road to Damascus experience. And as he recounts it, he says, and when we were all fallen to the earth, Saul said, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And that voice from heaven said, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Can I tell you here this evening that temple infatuation will give away to fighting against what you once fought for? Someone say amen. Hophni, Hophni had gone from the position of priesthood, from the position of serving 
to wanting to be served. He was the client. 1 Samuel 2, verses 13 through 17, you can read it on your own time. You can read it, hallelujah, after this live cast is over. But it describes the consumer mentality that branched from the temple infatuation that Hophni and Phinehas had. Typically, the Bible speaks of there in those verses that when a peace offering was brought, it was boiled. The fat was burned unto the Lord. The fatty portion of the animal was burned unto the Lord. Certain portions of the animal were waved and heaved before the Lord. A breast and a shoulder were always reserved for the priests. But now these two sons of Eli, these boys are taking now more meat than their share. And the choice meets beyond what was reserved for them, we read of in the scripture. They had, in no uncertain terms, become clients. They had become consumers. They didn't want, they said they would go up to where they were boiling the meat or what the scripture says where they were soddening uh, sodden meat in the pan and they would go forward and have people go forward with a flesh hook and they would pull out of there amen what was being boiled because they had the preference now they wanted it to be roasted a uh, breast and a shoulder now wasn't enough for them amen well, they're, they're in this position now what else can the temple do for me what else can the temple give me how else can the temple serve me? They served themselves. The Bible says they would get that meat for the purpose of roasting it. They would get it and serve themselves before the fat was ever burned from the animal. What that means for you and I is this. Amen. They took their portion before God got his portion because the Bible says that the fat belonged unto the Lord. And so before they had the fat burn as an offering up unto God, they were getting their portion first. There was consumer first, client first mentality. They knew not God. They had no regard for God. They didn't care that God wasn't having the aroma of the fat up to him first. No, they wanted what they wanted and they wanted it when they wanted it and how they wanted it. Amen. Their temple infatuation had brought them to a place of being a consumer in the house of God. The Bible even says they abhorred the offering of the Lord. The Bible says that they kicked at the sacrifices of God. Why? Because their portions were not enough according to them. Because they were not the way that they wanted them. They were trying to boil them and they wanted them roasted. That was their preference. It comes now down to a battle of preferences among them temple infatuation one of the possible meanings of Phinehas is simply this Phinehas one of the possible meanings is turn and hide his name is meaning turn and hide he and his brother Hophni has just done this the Bible tells us in Samuel 2 22 that these quote-unquote priests who's always to be found in the activity around the temple had lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle 
of the congregation. It appears as though they did it secretly, turn and hide. But eventually, it got to Daddy Eli, and he found out about it, and he chided them slightly. You may remember not long ago, church family, those of you who are watching, it wasn't that long ago, a few times I preached on the subject matter of prayer. Amen. And I directed our attention to Jeremiah chapter number 7 about how people that was doing everything negative or everything wrong under the sun, and yet they were doing all these unthinkable things and then entering the house of the Lord with their sacrifices and with their worship. And as though it didn't matter how they lived life, they still brought their sacrifice and their worship it's as though they were permitted to do those things in God in that moment and Jeremiah said has my house become a den of robbers meaning in other words has my house become a hiding place for the immoral a hiding place for the unlawful a hiding place for the ill mannered so much so that Jesus would pick up that same terminology in the New Testament in the temple when the money changers were there selling amen and exchanging their goods in Matthew 21 13 Jesus said and said unto them it is written my house shall be called the house of prayer but ye have made it a den of thieves can I tell you today that you need not become infatuated with the temple amen and later use it as a place to turn and hide amen no 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 you need to turn to God as Jesus said in prayer and resolve to have a relationship with him don't turn and hide and do your own thing and not know the Lord not regard the Lord not have an experience with God you need to somehow stoke up into an old fashioned prayer room and make sure before you leave that God knows who you are and that you know who God is you need hallelujah we don't need a temple infatuation because here's the result for Phoenix. The only thing, if you could say, that turning and hiding ever produced in Phoenix's life was a premature death for one, but an offspring from his loins that when the ark of God would be taken in battle, that he and his brother had taken into battle, that an offspring would be produced, that his wife would name Ichabod, the glory has departed turning and hiding that's the result of turning and hiding that's the result of temple infatuation Hophni and Phinehas these were we must underscore again these were the priests these were those whose lives focused primarily and ultimately upon the temple these were the representatives of the people. When Jesus Christ gave his life on Calvary, the veil in the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, thus allowing all of mankind, according to the scripture, to boldly now go before the throne room of grace to obtain mercy. The book of Revelation even informs us that Jesus Christ made us, you and I, kings and priests unto God. Peter declared it in his writing. 
He declared it on the backside of Calvary, after Calvary, that we are a peculiar people, a holy nation, a chosen generation, and a royal priesthood. If I could say here this evening, we are priests in our own right. And we are priests in our own generation. And we have our temples as well that some of us, most of us are currently estranged from at this moment of time. But we must examine ourselves in these hours that we're not suffering from temple infatuation. Just walk with here, here with me here for a moment. Hophni and Phinehas was accustomed to being in and around the temple. They were accustomed to holding the title of priest, of serving in the temple. But the Bible says they lacked knowing the Lord. They were acquainted with the temple, but they did not know the Lord. Can I submit to you here this evening that what we are presently discovering in this hour, and I say this with all of the love, and I say this with all of the compassion, but what we are presently discovering in this hour is if people have a relationship with God or if they merely had an association with a temple. What we're discovering right now in these times, if people had a life that was tethered to the Lord or they were just tethered to a location and a place. Oh, my son. Because let me tell you something tonight. Amen. Everything that concerns the temple, it goes beyond blowing trumpets. It goes beyond singing in the choir. It goes beyond being the head of a program or benefiting from the atmosphere of the setting. The temple's purpose was to facilitate a relationship with God. And if you've not allowed the temple to be that for you, right now you've just been boiled down to a mere association with the temple. And what we need we've always needed and will need after this is a relationship called Christ steadfast with God. Hallelujah. See, so am I. There may be some right now, not all, but there may be some that are just missing a program that the temple provided more than the power of God that was found there. Might be missing a program more than you are the powerful God that helped you engage in that place. You may simply just have a temple infatuation. You may be more concerned over your favorite song not being sung rather than the songs that you could sing during this night season unto the Lord. You might just be suffering from temple infatuation. Let me, let me, let me warn you here this evening. We got to be careful because see, temple infatuation, just falling in love with the mechanics, with the techniques, with the dynamics, if you will, of the temple will just cause the customer side of you to surface rather than the servant side of you. It will cause the fighter inside of you to change sides. Yes, I know. 
though it may seem unbelievable, but rather than fighting for the faith, you might find yourself even fighting against God and disregarding God because you're just infatuated with the mechanics of the temple. You'll turn and hide when you need to be unmasking and uncovering and confessing and acknowledging God. The Bible says in Ezra 3 and in verse 12. Look there if you will. Ezra 3 and verse 12. They are, have laid the foundation of the second temple. They have returned from captivity. Zerubbabel's temple is starting to take its form on the dusty floor of the desert by means of its foundation. The Bible says, Ezra 3 and 12, but many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men, they had seen the first house. When the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, they wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy. Second temple foundation is in the dirt. Zerubbabel's temple, the priests and the Levites, as the story goes, you read in Ezra 3, they're in all of their garb and their apparel with trumpets and cymbals. It's to be a time of praise, a time of singing, a time of rejoicing because the temple has its origin and its foundation and it won't be long that the walls will be constructed. They're going to have a place, if you will, a quote-unquote temple, if you will. The Bible describes, though, the ancient men even many of the priests and the Levites and chief of the fathers were ancient men who had seen the first temple. The Bible says when they seen the foundation of the second temple, they wept because they remembered the glorious first temple, that temple of Solomon. All the ornate and embellishment of the temple of Solomon. They could already see just by the foundation of this temple a marked contrast between the two temples. The present temple in their estimation was nothing in comparison to the former temple by the ancient men. And I tell you tonight, though in Ezra 3, the comparison wasn't being made about the ornamentation of one temple to the other. The comparison wasn't being made about the dimensions of one temple to the other. The comparison even wasn't being made about the contents because the contents of each of these varied as well. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 3 relates to us what they needed to put their finger on concerning any contrast or difference. He said, who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it? Now, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to allude to materials. He wasn't trying to allude to size or content. He was alluding to exactly what he spoke. What about the glory of the house? What about the glory that filled the house? How do you see it now compared to that in the first temple? Do you want to know this evening why there were some that wept and why there were others that rejoiced at the laying of this temple's foundation and at its dedication? You want to know 
know why? Because the weepers suffered from temple infatuation while the rejoicers saw it as a tool whereby they could further their relationship with God. There was a young generation that had been born in captivity. They never had a temple, amen, to lasso their name to. But now there was a foundation. Hallelujah. They had no means of comparison. They had never known a temple before. But what they did know, it was of a God that had been with them in the middle of their captivity. Oh my God. Hell of a shot of a hope. They'd never known a temple, but they did know a God. They had never known, if you will, gold and silver and engravings, but they did know their God in the middle of their struggle, in the middle of their years of captivity. Hallelujah. They did know what it was like to feel God's reassurance during their trying times. They never had a connection with a temple. But they had, in the process of their life, formed a connection with their God. They knew God. Hophni and Phinehas, Phinehas, might have known the temple. But these old boys that never knew a temple, at least they knew God. Our motto here at the First Apostolic Church, if you're a guest watching tonight, our motto here is where heaven and earth connect. If I tell you today, that's the purpose of this temple right here located at 1121 Cedar Street is to provide a place where people can connect with people absolutely but most importantly where they can connect with God and so if they're in their homes tonight and they have totally missed if you will their connection with God because they can't come to the temple then I'm here to tell you today the purpose of us even being here with a building is for the purpose of your connection undergirding that supporting that your connection with God that is paramount you take these walls down sheetrock everything else hallelujah and I hope that our relationship Relationship with God can stay intact, stay tethered, stay grounded because I'm not in some temple of infatuation. I love everything we have. I love family game nights. I love this program, that program, this committee, that title. I love all of that and that's great, but I don't want to get caught up in all the dynamics and the techniques and somehow forget about the relationship I'm supposed to have with God. I don't want it just to become a stomping of a foot over a beat of a drama or just the right song because it's my favorite and be infatuated by that no I want to be in love with God hallelujah I'm not going to stand uh, here's, here's, see everything I've said so far that's what I'm talking about I could be misunderstood or misconstrued tonight I understand forsake not the assembly. I understand all that. But I'm talking about the temple. I'm not talking about the church. The church is the people. I'm talking about the temple. Just the building. The programs. The committees. The heads of seats. The titles. All of that. I can get infatuated, if you will. But if my infatuation leaves a footnote in my life that I knew not God. 
Because that's where we're at right now. The time of revelation of exposure is here, whether or not we are infatuated with the temple or we're in a love relationship with God in these moments. The contrast is so evident between those two boys of Hophni and Phinehas and another boy that's in the narrative here in the verses of Scripture by the name of Samuel. Such a grand contrast between those two and him. Samuel, at a young age, he was given to Hannah, a woman who could not bear, could not have child. She, though, would go yearly. She would offer her sacrifice. Prayers would be made unto the Lord. She would go to the temple because that was helping her in her connection with God. The Lord would speak to her and tell her according to the time of life that she would have a child. She had that child, she, she nursed that child, and in the moment of his weaning, she took him to the temple. Not just to be awed by the techniques and the dynamics, but so he himself could start on a trajectory with honing his own relationship with God, which was the purpose for the temple. So he was dedicated to the Lord. Another passage of scripture, he was lent or loaned unto the Lord. And it's the difference, the difference between those two sons of Eli and the son of Hannah is the difference between being infatuated with the temple and being in love with God. The Bible tells us after Eli reproved his sons, the Bible says, that they hearken not to the voice of their father. And yet this young boy, Samuel, and he is young. He, he stayed there. He grew up year by year. His mother would bring him a new coat because the growth of a child in those early years changes so dynamically. She would bring a new coat each year that he would be fitted with. Bible says, though yet Samuel of a year, young age, laying across his bed at one night, could hear, it would seem like a voice speaking to him. Three different times he went in. He thought it was Eli. He mistaken this voice for Eli's voice. But in reality, he heard the voice of God. So we have two boys that won't even hearken to the voice of their father. But then we have another boy that is hearing the voice of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hophni and Phinehas were taking more than their share according to the second chapter of 1 Samuel. They were clients. They were consumers. They were taking more than their share and the best of the share that there was. But the Bible speaks of Samuel. That Samuel, on a couple different occasions, the scripture states it explicitly like this. Samuel ministered unto the Lord. So we had two people that have the title of priest that should be ministering. And yet they want to be ministered unto. And then we have a young boy, Samuel, who is doing service unto the Lord. I'm hastening to a close here this evening, but. The boys, the Bible says, and this is from their father's own mouth. 
He said, boys, he said, you've caused the people to transgress. The people were picking up upon the activities of these two priests. They were catching on to what they were doing. He said, you have caused the people to transgress. Not only that, they, they, because of their actions, were to a certain degree estranged from their father because of their activity. That's Hophni and Phinehas. But the Bible, when it speaks of Samuel, it says that Samuel grew on and in favor with both the Lord and also with men. If I say it like this, he was in love with God. So my urge and my plea to you this evening is this. Let these times in our life prove not a shallow fascination or a superficial infatuation with the temple and all it can offer us. But let these times be a sound and hearty time to show our affection and reassure our love for God. Because the fact of the matter is this. Whether we are priest or whether we are pauper, we must know the Lord. Brother and Sister Mason, I don't know if you could come and help me right now. We must know the Lord. Those boys lit many fires, kept many lamps burning, was involved in all of the mechanics of the house of God yet somehow missed the God of the house. I want us tonight in our personal lives, in our personal walks, I'm thankful for every program that we would normally have, and it's been odd here lately, not at different times to speak about what's coming up next on the calendar. Don't forget this date, or don't forget this time, or we're going to have collective prayer at the church, so on and so forth, but folks... If I can just give you one announcement here tonight, don't forget to stoke your love relationship with the Lord. We're not just infatuated or enamored, if you will, with a place or a location or a building or material. We need to be in love with the Lord. That's been the purpose of this place. That should be. If, it, if that's not been its purpose for you, then I feel as though perhaps we have failed you. The purpose of this place is to somehow hone and transfer ownership in the relationship with God. There's not a single one of us tonight that when it's all said and done, we want the same footnote that those two boys had. But you know what? They were just sons of Belial in reality. Yeah, they had the title of priest, but it was worthlessness and wickedness and base fellows. They started fighting against the things they used to fight for. They... They, they, they now started, if you will, just being a consumer. They playing the old turn and hide game. We don't want it to be said that they knew not the Lord, that they didn't know him by experience. They didn't acknowledge him. Folks, if there's anything we need to be doing right now, it's acknowledging the Lord. If there's anything we need to be doing right now, we, we need not to make any place a den of thieves or a robbers, but let it be a house of prayer.
place where we can go in, shut the door with God. Hallelujah. And get to know him on a more intimate level. Amen. Than we ever had. That was the purpose of the temple. And to neglect that or to negate that is to just create us as beings that are just infatuated with an idea, with a concept, with a dynamic of the temple. I'm going to pray right now over each and every one of us. I don't know why God woke me up early this morning and laid this heavy upon my heart. But I know this evening that I had to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. And again, I hope you don't misunderstand or misconstrue anything I've said tonight. Amen. But I've tried with the help of the Holy Ghost to make it as clear and meaningful as possible and understandable as possible. Father, I come to you right now. I pray, oh God, for each and every individual, Lord, in their home right now. God, we're unable, Lord, to make it to this place. There's a lot of things that have fell off the calendar. God, for many days, Lord Jesus, now and still yet more days to come. But God, I pray, oh Lord, today, just like those young generation that's returning from captivity, that with joy and rejoicing looked at the foundation of that second temple, I want our hearts to swell inside of us. Because I may have never known a temple, but if I can say I've known God, then I've known what I need to know all along. I may never known per se a particular building. The church is always in existence. But I may not know a particular building. There are people today in third world countries and places far more disadvantaged than we are. They don't know a building. They don't know per se a temple. They, they don't have any opportunity to be infatuated, if you will, with all the dynamics and the machinery of a temple. But I tell you one thing, they know God. <laughs> they know God. They acknowledge Him. They've experienced Him. The sacrifices that they've made, they've made even for themselves. They have a relationship with their Maker. Father, I pray, oh God, over us tonight. Help us, God, to stake our claim and our, Lord, lives in the things that be concerning the Lord. I want to know you in the power of your might. I want to know you in the power, Lord, of your resurrection with that newness of life surging in my life. Help me, God, not to flip a switch. Help me, God, not to get so familiar and accustomed, Lord, that I'm just enamored and fancied, God, by what goes on in the temple no 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 God the sanctuary has been built that you might dwell among us and we need the dwelling of the Lord God abide here as those two boys from Emmaus God we're talking with the Lord and unaware of it amen and he acted as though he would go further he said abide here tonight God they constrained him hallelujah and before the night was over through the breaking of the bread they knew it was the Lord they knew the Lord God, I want to know you. I want to know you. Hallelujah. Can you raise your hands wherever you are right now tonight? Let that be your prayer. Let that be your desire. I must know the Lord. I must know the Lord. I must know him. I must love him. I must, hallelujah, pull him close and draw near and nigh to him. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord as we Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. 
Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.